Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Honey and Hustle, a video podcast that inspires the dreamers, creators, and hustlers to make a business from their passions. I'm Angela Hollowell, and I'm a visual storyteller based in Durham, North Carolina. I sit down with creative entrepreneurs, nonprofit founders, and small business owners as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned throughout their careers, and how they've worked to make a positive impact. Hey everyone, we are filming season three of the Honey and Hustle podcast live at the Durham Bottling Co. right in downtown Durham. We're about to get into a great conversation, but before we do that, I'd really appreciate it if you take a moment to share this episode with someone who you think might get some value from it. Feel free to tag me on the podcast on social media, and I'll be sure to put those links on the video and in the description below. If you're listening to the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podchaser, Apple Podcast, or Spotify. It helps others find the show and lets me know how I'm doing at this video podcast thing. If you'd like to support the show, be sure to check out our affiliate links, shop our merch, and subscribe to the Honeypot newsletter and this YouTube channel, all at the links in the description. Without further ado, let's get into it. Um, so thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you coming out on this. Um, it's a really nice Friday afternoon, actually. It's so nice. It, yeah, I'm sure you would rather be outside than in here talking to me. But <laughs> no. rather you. I'd rather talk to you. I appreciate that. That makes me feel good. But we can still go outside after. Um, so today, for people who don't know, this is Anne Claire Broughton, and she runs a consulting firm working with early stage ventures and ventures of all sizes um, to work within a really get them to think about how they can create a healthy work environment from the onset, from the onboarding process, from the hiring process, and even while people are working, how to empower them to work their best, um, to develop kind of an entrepreneur mindset, why you are, that is definitely possible, while working with another organization, um, and really is kind of developing the framework around what does it look like when I become, you know, venture out on my own and become a solopreneur, what are some things and characteristics that I should keep in mind as I'm building a business for scale, so um, do would you mind telling me a little bit about um, how you came to create Broughton Consulting and why you felt like there was a need for that in this entrepreneurship space? Sure. Um, so, like I was saying, I worked for uh, 13 years for SJF Ventures and SJF Institute, mm -hmm. and I ran the Business Accelerator. Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity to walk through many, many businesses, and I got the sense of some of those businesses you walk in and you just feel energized and you feel how everybody's connected and they're communicating and they're excited to be there. Other businesses you walk in and the energy is a drag. And you're like, whoa, this is not an engaged workplace. So I started kind of studying what are the components of an engaged workspace mm -hmm. um, and wrote some reports and did some convenings of entrepreneurs around good jobs, employee engagement. Um, the other thing that we did was we wanted to uh, invest in companies at SJF that would create good jobs, but then with venture capital, the company grows, um, it's sold. And so we were looking into ways that 
people at every level could benefit mm -hmm. from that sort of liquidity event. Um, so we started experimenting with giving broad-based stock options to everybody. Mm. And there were cases where we had a good exit. Um, the, the fund did well, the management did well, and the lowest paid people got a chunk of cash to pay off their debt and even uh, put a down payment on a home and move into a better financial situation. Mm. So that's when kind of the heavens opened up and I realized I found my calling okay. is wealth building for folks who have been left out of the economy. Right. Um, so, so I got really excited about that. Um, and so that sort of combination of wealth building, employee engagement, uh, I saw there was a big need for it and it's where my heart was. Probably shouldn't tap that. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I kind of roll, um, rolled off and started Broughton Consulting in 2014. Mm -hmm. And the three things that we do are business succession, mm -hmm. especially through employee ownership. Okay. So have already convert, helped, played a role in converting two businesses to worker cooperatives and one to an employee ownership trust. Mm -hmm. Um, and just helping a lot of small businesses that otherwise might close down to find a way to transition to their employees so mm -hmm. that the departing business owner is happy and the employees are happy and you keep those jobs in those communities. Yeah. Um, and there's a big need for it. I just got a call two weeks ago from a business in Raleigh that was thinking about closing down at the end of the year, but then he heard I had helped to convert electric violin shop to mm -hmm. a worker co-op. And so he called me and, you know, we're going to talk about what good options are for his business. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing is business succession. Mm -hmm. Um, because employee ownership is a big way that we can accomplish those goals of engagement and wealth building for frontline folks, mm -hmm. as well as just preserving jobs and communities. Yeah. Um, the second thing is open book management. So I am a certified open book management coach with The Great Game of Business. They're based in Missouri, but we've got coaches everywhere. Um, and open book management is great because you teach everybody the basics of how the business makes money, how it generates cash, teach people to read the basic financial statements and create a scoreboard that's basically a profit and loss statement, very simplified, uh, with some revenue items, some cost of goods items, some expense items, and a bottom line item. And if we can improve the metrics, we all um, take part in a smart profit sharing plan. Mm -hmm. So again, it's building wealth, it's empowering people, it's creating kind of a win-win because if you invest in employees, the business makes more money and we have more money to share with everybody. Yeah. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing is curricula and case studies around participatory management. Mm -hmm. So I actually did a project with Hitachi Foundation um, to build the human capital advantage curriculum which is for startups. Mm -hmm. So how to think intentionally about building your culture when you're just starting a business up. Mm -hmm. And so that's another resource I worked on. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you touch on a lot of good things and I think that you know, as a business and as a consulting firm, yes, they're very needed. I think even in the public space, I would say, I would say even in the public space, especially in the public space right now, because we're seeing definitely there's this surge of people who are going to be solopreneurs during the pandemic. Um, if we're still in a pandemic, that's debatable. Um, and then people who are interested in entrepreneurship but don't know what that looks like. Right. Um, and also concerned with legacy, people who are genuinely just wanting to, yes, I want to start something, but I don't want it to end with me. Yes. Right? So what does that look like for the community? What does that look like for the people that I work with? 
what does that look like for my family? Yes. If I want to have an exit and I want to, you know, make sure I'm not leaving people out in the cold just because I sold a business. You yes. know what I mean? Or, you know, they just, with, in, with family, maybe I want to spend more time with my family. So, you know, I don't want to leave other people in the cold because of that. So yes. when we talk about, you know, employee ownership, investing in people, um, what is your take on how that has looked previously, especially when we talk about like corporations, like huge, who got, you know, insurmountable levels of people? Um, and what does that look like in relation to these small business owners, these local business owners who care about people, care about the community, and want to cultivate businesses that are in a place to thrive and that do have healthy work culture? So when bad things happen, everybody's not throwing in their two cents about their experience working at McDonald's, you know what I mean? And their yes. terrible experience, you know, they're trying to avoid that. Um, what has been your take in kind of navigating businesses at all levels like that? Um, well, that's a big question. It is, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple things. Uh, one is I tend to work with smaller businesses. Um, so I'm doing a project right now uh, with Pacific Community Ventures that's focusing on micro-businesses. So five people or fewer. Okay. Um, and, and like we were saying, there's more and more of those. More solopreneurs and more businesses with just very few employees. Mm -hmm. So those are very important and supporting them and making sure they get what they need. Um, and that's the project I'm working on with mm -hmm. PCB. Um, but I tend to work with smaller businesses. So let's say between five and 200 employees. I don't tend to work with really big businesses. Right. Um, many of them might have 35 employees or 100 employees. Okay. Um, so they tend to be on the smaller side, but they tend to be at a point, many of the ones I work with tend to be at a point where they've got a bunch of systems down and they're ready to kind of grow and get to the next level. Mm -hmm. Um, and so those folks tend to be very interested in employee engagement, employee ownership. Um, there is this silver tsunami going on right now in the U.S., which is a, uh, the baby boomer age private business owners are reaching retirement. Mm -hmm. And it's the largest wealth transfer in history. Hmm. So a lot of us are doing a big push to encourage employee ownership because a lot of people don't even know that it's an option. Yeah. Um, so we, so I help to with partners to start the North Carolina Employee Ownership Center, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. We started in 2019, um, and I ran it for a couple of years, but now we've got a fantastic executive director, uh, Guinevere Abernathy, and we're just trying to blanket the state with the information that employee ownership can be a great option for an exit for a private business owner that, again, keeps those jobs in those communities. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the first projects we did was with City of Durham mm -hmm. um, to try and preserve legacy black-owned businesses. Um, because we don't want, as things are booming and expanding, for these legacy black businesses to get pushed out. Right. Um, so really trying to identify those businesses, create a legacy, um, uh, a registry of them, and do some succession planning with them. Mm -hmm. So that's one project that the center has worked on. Yeah, and that's great. I still think, I guess when I say corporations, yes, I do mean McDonald's. That's what I think of when I think of a corporation. Right. But even in the mid to large size business, there is a mindset shift there, yeah. All right, in terms of how you view the people that you work with, right? Especially when some of them you probably can't name because there's so many, yeah. All right, um, and so when it comes to fostering those relationships, what 
how has the kind of conversation around the open book management kind of gone? <laughs> because that's interesting to let your employees know, like, okay, this is how much we make. That's right. This is how much you make. Yes. You know, this is, you know, our bottom line. Like, all these things. Like, how has that, that gone? Well, uh, first of all, we don't usually share salaries except in aggregate. There are a few companies that do. They're very brave and bold. But that's, like, a really pain point or a source of potential friction. So we want people paid equitably, but we don't tend to share salaries except in aggregate. Okay. Uh, but, you know, that said, it can be... Um, e business owners are pretty brave when they go ahead and share, you know, what's our top line mm -hmm. income and what does it cost to do business, what's our bottom line, and what do we do with it. Um, but it's so powerful as an education tool and getting everybody on board. Mm -hmm. People tend to think that the owner is, you know, making 40, 50% profit and going to Cancun. Uh, but most businesses, the median business makes like 6.5% profit. Okay. You know, it's not that easy to make a profit depending on your industry. Mm -hmm. um, and so the more minds we can get involved in bringing in more revenue and being smart about costs and bringing the people closest to the product or service to think of smarter ways to do things. Right. Um, so we increase the bottom line, we increase job stability, and we set up, like I said, bonus plans so everybody gains, um, the better we do. Yeah. So it does have to be the right kind of business owner to, to be willing to share with um, her or his employees. Right. But there are a lot of them. I mean, our services are in demand, so. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. That's a good place to be. I'm yes. glad that, that there are people who are interested and open to that type of approach to owning and running a business. Um, when it comes to working with solopreneurs, creative entrepreneurs, service-based business owners who work in very small teams and probably contract out, mm -hmm. who don't have, you know, salaried employees, if you will, Right. Um, when it comes to discussing pay equity, when it comes to discussing finances, um, when it comes to discussing, okay, I made this in my name, in my image, in my likeness, right. but you know, I, I want there to be something more, yep. and I do want to grow into that. Um, what has the conversation been around you know, harnessing you know, their previous experience, their current business experience, and building something that they can be proud of? Right, right. Um, I mean, I guess you just have to be intentional. Yeah. Like, I was very intentional that when I helped start the North Carolina Employee Ownership Center, I didn't want to be the executive director. Mm. I was an interim for a while, but then I really wanted somebody else to take it and run with it. Mm -hmm. So I think you just have to really understand the person's motivation um, and then help them intentionally build what they want. Yeah. Some people may want... Like Broughton Consulting, that's my business, right. and it would be hard to turn that over to somebody else. Right. Um, but ultimately, I might decide to do that. Right. Um, yeah, so I think it's a matter of finding the right tool and the right path for each person. Yeah. Um, so in terms of keeping on this notion of these smaller business owners who are, whether they're a startup, like again, product-based business, service-based business, creator, freelancer, wherever they fall in that five or less micro-business yes. category. Right. Um, when we talk about creating a healthy work culture, there's a train. Um, Dumb. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, when we talk about creating a healthy work culture where everybody feels seen, included, respected, yes. um, and all of those good, healthy things that people want, um, myself included, uh, when we talk about that, 
you know, what are some things that you coach or consult um, those micro business owners on when it, you know, because I mean, working with people isn't strictly in a, I don't know how to say this, nine to five place. It's not strictly in that environment. It can also mean collaborating with people. Yes. It can also mean working across and maybe having someone that you contract with for a couple hours a week. Sure. Um, you know, work relationships are becoming a lot more fluid and a lot more diverse. And I'm super happy to see that as well. But, you know, we also want to prepare people who are maybe solopreneurs who are contracting out or even organizations, bigger brands, mid, small to mid-sized businesses who are maybe like, well, I don't have room in my budget to hire a full-time person or a part-time person, but five to 10 hours a week, I'd love to contract that out. Right. But how do, how do you create that work environment that is healthy for them still? Because they're not just a hired hand or Yes. person yes who needs to be in, paid and treated fairly absolutely yeah um well i guess in my own experience i have worked with contractors and i do some form of open book management with them um and try to just follow all those good practices that i would encourage people to use with um, full-time employees um, good communication is number one well, the very first thing is making sure you understand exactly what you want in a collaboration, like defining that very clearly and then um, interviewing people and making sure they're the right people. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of times we talk about hiring for, um, for attitude more than skill because you can train people in skills, but that attitude is what they come with. Yeah. So I would recommend that even when you're um, just working with someone 10 hours a week. like Make sure they have that attitude of wanting to be collaborative, wanting to be transparent. Communication is number one. Mm-hmm. Um, a book that I recommend to a lot of people is Crucial Conversations. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. The, um, the authors are amazing at sort of laying out, people think that you either have a hard conversation or you keep the relationship, but actually you can do both. Mm -hmm. You can learn how to have hard conversations that actually move the relationship and the work forward, Mm -hmm. but it's a skill. Yeah. So there's many of the things we've often thought were soft skills, actually, I would argue are are not. They're hard skills we have to learn Mm -hmm. how to really communicate well and how to have those hard conversations. So I had a... um, uh, a contractor who worked for me for two years, and we built a very strong collaborative relationship. And we were very good about having the hard conversation, like as soon as things got a little rough, mm-hmm. and just clearing the air, and not being. Um, so, so one of the big skills in crucial conversations is to look at the facts. What are the actual facts? Like, okay, Anne Claire was, you know, four minutes late for this interview. You might tell yourself a story like, well, she doesn't value this or whatever. But the fact is, I was four minutes late. Um, and, and so you might just be curious and say, well, why were you four minutes late? And I would be like, well, I was at this other training for all these hours, and then I went to the wrong door, you know. Yeah. But you, we, we, within, like, microseconds, tell ourselves a story about what's happening. So learning that skill and that discipline of saying, well, what are the facts versus one of the stories I'm telling myself. And keeping that attitude of curiosity can really nourish relationships. Right. Oh, man, that's, like, such a good point. And it really points to maybe some things that people do subconsciously, like overthinking. Yes. um, Allowing anxiety to allow, you know, 
uh, I guess, feed in negative thoughts that have no basis in reality. That's right. You know, and could really damage a relationship because a lot of things do go unsaid. You yes. know, and a lot yes. of our language is body language, and it's like, well, let's say you showed up four minutes late, and four minutes late, and you're all you're in a hurry, you're in a hurry now because right. you're late, right. and you're putting that off on me. So now I'm like, okay, she's late, and it's my fault. How is this? You know? <laughs> yes. Yes. You know? So we start to tell ourselves things that we really don't know. You could have gotten a car accident or yes. something, and now you're really upset because that was your only mode of transportation. You don't know if your insurance is going to cover it. Like, there could be a lot of things at play, but we were so quick to feed ourselves narratives, and I think part of that is because we are natural storytellers. Yes. Part of that is because we're naturally curious. Yep. But part of it is because in some places, you know, we make decisions that are not from a place of clarity or a yes. place of confidence. That's true. But a place of insecurity and right. a place of, of questioning. Um, and so uh, I do want to end on a slightly higher note. <laughs> Um, and just really dive deep into, well, not too deep because it is the last question, um, but really dive into the concept of focusing on legacy, of focusing on people who have traditionally been underserved and underrepresented in the workplace, which is employees, um, typically employees kind of at the lower levels of, of the organization, and how through your work as in venture capital and now through your work in as a B Corps certified organization, which is arguably social entrepreneurship, you know, what it means for you to work with people to build that legacy across age, race, you know, gender, all those things that are now coming to the forefront of who we are as people. Because I think a lot of people in the workforce now are asking themselves some hard questions. Yes. They're asking themselves not only how much money do I want to make, but what am I willing to do to have that money? Right. What things am I willing to put up with? Yes. What things am I? What conversations am I willing to have? Right. With people who may not look like me, talk like me, sound like me, come from the same background as me. So, um, I would just love to hear your take on now how we're answering those hard questions through working with employees, through working with startups, through working with people at the very beginning stages of their business. Yes. Again, that's a lot of things. Well, so, I mean, I have been a student of historic injustice, and that's part of my motivation, is uh, leveling the playing field. And, you know, from the very earliest beginnings of this country, folks of African heritage have been left out of wealth creation, like very deliberately for all these years. So it's time for some equity and it's time for people to be paid and to have that ability to build wealth as well as respect and trust and all those good things. Um, so that's always in the back of my mind as I'm doing this work uh, is equity. But uh, it's also great to see that companies that pay people well, treat people well, have a great workplace, are not having a labor shortage right now mm -hmm. because people want to work there. Yeah. Um, we have not raised the minimum wage in many, many years, and it's really hard for people to pay their bills without having to work several jobs. Um, so it's time. It's time to raise wages. It's time to create great workplaces where people are trusted and respected. People are doing the work. Um, on justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, so that we can have fair and equitable workplaces, mm -hmm. um, which is better for business, it's better for humans, it's better for our world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, thank you. For, that was I was not expecting that answer, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> but I appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Um, so for people who maybe want to learn more about your work, learn more about the publications that you've created sure. that may be really useful and I think will be really useful resources for them, where can they find them? So my website is broughton-consulting.com. Okay. And are you active on social media? I am, yeah. I'm on Twitter with a ridiculous handle that I don't remember, <laughs> <laughs> but it's Anne Claire Broughton. Okay. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for coming by today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you.